1: That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST. Get two Democrats in a room and pretty soon the conversation will turn to one question. Will he or won't he? Should he or shouldn't he? What they're referring to is Joe Biden and whether or not he should run for a second term as president in 2024. Some Democrats say they're happy with the job Joe Biden's doing, but worry he might just be too old to do another four years. There's talk that he's going to let his fellow Democrats know his decision fairly soon, perhaps within the coming weeks. But what will President Biden do? I'm Jonathan Friedland, columnist at The Guardian, and this is Politics Weekly, American.
0: Well, most presidents who are in or going into their second term uh, don't really announce their plans uh, at or near the start of the second half of their first term. Uh, Robert Reich is a former U.S.
1: Secretary of Labour under President Bill Clinton. He's now Professor of Public Policy at the University of California at Berkeley. He's been writing on Joe Biden's potential run for a second term.
0: I think it's very likely, Jonathan. I would not have said this six months ago. Uh, He was getting some pressure from the Democratic Party uh, not to do so. But all that has changed uh, quite dramatically. Uh, And part of it has changed because Joe Biden uh, himself has shown an extraordinary amount of stamina and success as president. And he also has given every indication that he very much wants to run Again, and if you're an incumbent president and you want to run again, you will run again
1: yeah, let's just get drill into that a bit this norm that uh, that applies here, which is it is absolutely the norm that a sitting president is there for they hope two terms. It is very, very unusual for a for a president not to seek at least seek we will get to winning, but at least to seek a second term
0: yes, and there are good reasons for that. The advantages of being the one who makes the regulations and distributes the money and uh, and really has the public megaphone uh, has the bully pulpit, uh, as Teddy Roosevelt once said. Uh, and so you are likely to be reelected. Uh, most presidents who have uh, a first term do get reelected, unless there is some some problem. I mean, George H. W. Bush had an economic catastrophe. Uh, Donald Trump was his own catastrophe. Uh, But most presidents that want a second term get it.
1: Uh, Yeah. And I was in my own mind looking back to people who failed even to seek a second term. And I think you have to go back to 1968 and Lyndon Baines Johnson immersed uh, uh, and really drowning in the Vietnam War at the time. That was the last case. It has to almost be something that desperate. For an incumbent president not to say, yeah, give me four more years.
0: Yes. And Biden is, I mean, the age issue is the big issue with Biden. Uh, the exception to the norm, the exception to the rule is that we've never had a president uh, this old. He will be 82 years old when he runs for reelection. 86 uh, if he gets there by the end of his second term. Uh, we don't know much about presidential well, the the capacities of people to do that well that late in life. I mean, I'd like to think they can. I'm seventy six years old. I feel quite vital. I'm not running for president, though. And the presidents I've known and worked with in the United States uh, are under huge pressure, uh, and that pressure is psychological, uh, intellectual, physical. It's very very difficult, uh, even for somebody like Bill Clinton in their forties uh, to keep on going. How can Joe Biden do it, I don't know. What's the answer, then, to
1: exactly the conundrum you've posed? I know when you wrote for us in The Guardian, you did you know, raise the, the question without necessarily offering your own answer. But you have, as you say, you saw a fit, young, new generation president in Bill Clinton— and I think most people agreed that by the end of it, he had aged more than four years. He looked much older. He then did, you know, succumb to quite serious sort of heart trouble. People thought a job like that really knocks the stuffing out of you. Given, as, as you say, that Joe Biden would be 86 at the end of a second term. Is this one of these questions that merely by asking the question you've answered it, that in effect you're saying to us, look, it's just too old for Joe Biden to, to be president into that second term?
0: Well, uh, you know, this is the conundrum, Jonathan. Uh, uh, First of all, people do live longer and have more active lives than they did uh, even as recently as Bill Clinton's presidency. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt uh, was not that old when he succumbed. Uh, Joe Biden showed when he went to Kiev uh, recently. Uh, You know, that was a very arduous and dangerous trip. Now, I I say all this knowing full well, that anything could happen. And this is why Joe Biden's uh, selection of his vice president uh, will be very, very important. Because even if he runs, assuming he will run again, and I have every assumption he will, I don't know that he will make it through uh, from, you know, from the age 82 to 86. I hope he does. Uh, But if he doesn't, uh, then that vice president has to be ready to take over. And that vice presidential choice, therefore, becomes much more important than the typical vice presidential choice.
1: Uh, And just because you mentioned that and you are yourself based uh, ordinarily in California, and the current vice president, Kamala Harris, is and was the senator from California and did previously, and he's obviously from there. Um, You among those people who think when you say that, that there's going to be more scrutiny, that perhaps Joe Biden should consider a change. If he seeks re-election, he should open up again that second spot on the ticket.
0: Yes. there's no. We were talking about norms a little bit ago. There's no norm that says a president must have, in his second term, run with the same person he ran with in the first term and the first time. Kamala Harris, uh, I think, is a very able person, a very good person. Uh, Would she make a good president? I don't know. She doesn't have that much experience. She hasn't done the kind of job that uh, would make her everybody's first choice for vice president. The other thing that needs to be said is a vice president's job is, at best, a very difficult job because you are invisible. Uh, The the role of the vice president is to be there in case a president uh, basically dies. Uh, The vice president doesn't, by the Constitution or by law, have very much to do. Even uh, Kamala Harris presiding in the Senate uh, over a 50-50 split in the Senate. The Senate being equally divided... The vice president votes in the affirmative and the concurrent resolution as amended is adopted. It didn't give her the kind of visibility and the kind of activity that would make her in the public's mind someone who would be a natural president. And so there's a little bit of a question there. And, and I wonder if, peculiar to this, this very specific circumstance
1: of his age, whether you're saying there that he should look again and find somebody who isn't an atypical vice president, somebody perhaps with a bigger profile, a, you know, more packed resume, who actually is plausible to the country as a president, and and maybe whether that is almost the requirement for Joe Biden to run again, he has to run almost on something like a joint ticket where his successor is plausible and in place and there for all to see. Uh, Am I fairly summarizing your argument or uh, am I getting the wrong end of the stick?
0: No, you're doing it uh, much more eloquently and directly than I am, uh, Jonathan. Uh, But let me also add this, that there are a lot of very good Democrats uh, who are backbenchers who are, uh, I, I think, would be quite eager and able to be vice president and become president. Uh, should Joe Biden not last that full term? I mean, this is a very this is a very unpleasant discussion to have. But let's be very clear and practical. This is the kind of discussion Americans will have if he decides to run again, as seems likely. You mentioned some of the the people who sit on the bench. Uh, do you have
1: some names in mind? People who would be plausible running mates for a, a, a Joe Biden second uh, election campaign?
0: Cory Booker, for example, a senator, very. Active New Jersey's Senator Cory Booker is not up for re-election until 2027, but he's been campaigning all over the country. He ran during the last Democratic primary.
1: I learned that the only way to overcome the really tough challenges is by extending grace, finding common ground and working together.
0: Uh, he was very impressive. A lot of people talked about him as an up-and-coming presidential candidate.
1: And, and the fact you're saying this, Robert Reich, is you're being very polite about it. But it's partly because you, you you're suggesting you don't have confidence in Kamala Harris as the running mate for a set for a re-elected Joe Biden because of because
0: it suddenly the stakes are so much higher. You can't get higher stakes. And it is the kind of thing that the public is going to be talking about, directly or indirectly. Uh, it is going to be an issue, let's face it. Now, if uh, Donald Trump is the Republican's candidate, Joe Biden's age is going to be less of an issue because Donald Trump will be 78. And that's <laughs> that's pretty much up there as well. And, and, uh, and all the indications are that Donald Trump is not even in as good physical shape as Joe Biden, not nearly. But if uh, the Republicans put up a much younger candidate, then age is going to be an issue. You know, I'm old enough to remember the 1960 election in which Dwight Eisenhower, former general, uh, president of the United States for eight years, a revered man. But he was getting a little bit long in the tooth, uh, a little bit uh, less forceful than he had been when he started. And America, this was not a a case of, of Eisenhower deciding whether to run for a second term. He'd already had a second term, but America was looking for a young leader. And John F. Kennedy just filled the bill. People were so excited about a young man in his early 40s becoming president. Well, it's that kind of an issue uh, that I think will haunt uh, a Biden candidacy.
1: I mean, you mentioned this thing about Trump, and this is the sort of pivotal point of the argument about Biden, because what you often hear is people say, if Trump is the Republican nominee, then Joe Biden may well be the best candidate to beat him, if only because he's proven that he can beat him. But if it's not Trump, then maybe Biden is almost the worst candidate to run against him because, as you say, there's likely to be a much younger candidate on the Republican side. It means then that you and your fellow Democrats are in some ways held hostage to what the Republicans decide. And if Joe Biden declares, as people say he might, he might even say it quite soon, and you're and the Democrats are then tied to him, then if the Republicans make a move and choose not to go with Trump, you're in a way left saddled with a problem there, that generational problem.
0: Yes, uh, potentially this is, that's exactly right. Now, if Ron DeSantis, for example, the governor of Florida, runs, much younger man than Donald Trump, the Democrats are in a little bit of a fix because uh, they're not going to deny Joe Biden the nomination uh, for all the reasons we talked about. He is the incumbent. He has that right. He also has all the power of incumbency, but he will not have taken on a younger man who is that much younger. But by the same token, I think Donald Trump in the Republican primary, uh, when he runs against DeSantis, and it looks increasingly like DeSantis is going to be his number one rival, Donald Trump can say, well, I, uh, you know, I won an election over the Democratic nominee at the time, Hillary Clinton, and uh, I can do it again with Joe Biden. I did lose to him once. It was only a matter of uh, of tens of thousands of votes, you know, in certain swing states. Now, you and I both know that he lost the popular vote, but in the Electoral College vote, and this is what one of the other ironies that we are facing Uh, Coming up to this next election, there are uh, really only three or four states that decide the presidential election. Uh, Donald Trump uh, could lose the popular vote once again, but if he got 40 or 50 or 60,000 votes in these swing states, he could actually win over, say, Joe Biden.
1: I'm just putting together these two thoughts on one on the Democratic side, one on the Republican side and coming to the conclusion that we are you know, either quite a long way from seeing a woman being elected president or if it's going to happen, it could well be a Republican. And the reason I say that is there on the one hand is you and I know there are others talking about perhaps dropping Kamala Harris from the Democratic ticket, but others saying if Donald Trump stumbles, who knows, it could be someone like Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina who could become the Republican nominee. Either way, I mean, not great for the Democrats who did nominate Hillary Clinton back in 2016, not looking great for their prospects of having a woman in the top job.
0: Well, it's going to be very difficult in a winner-take-all system, like the United States system, for a woman to get the top job. We saw that with Hillary Clinton. Uh, she was an outstanding and experienced candidate, uh, and she was trounced by Donald Trump, of all people. Uh, uh, and again, I say, in the swing states, she won the popular vote, but he got the electoral college vote, which is all that counts. Nikki Haley uh, is, uh, I mean, her approval rate is in the Republican Party is around, what, 5%. Uh, I think the most likely scenario is that you get a Uh, Maybe uh, a DeSantis with a woman vice president, a Nikki Haley, or maybe a Carrie Lake, perish the thought. I could see that ticket being a kind of ticket that takes on uh, Joe Biden, which would push Biden in the direction of of having a woman uh, candidate, vice president, a younger woman. But uh, here again, there's a more basic question. Does Biden want to do the picking of his vice president? Or does he want to leave it up to the Democratic Party? I mean, he could go into the Democratic Convention uh, and say, look, uh, I want the convention to decide. There are a lot of very, very good candidates out there, uh, but there's no reason uh, that I should make that decision, particularly given my age.
1: That could be brutal for Kamala Harris, but I can see that would be plausible. And perhaps it would also act as an outlet for some of this pent up feeling on the Democratic side that they won't have had a say if Joe Biden in effect shuts it down. But here's what I want to pick up something you said before, which is had we been talking six months ago, it was a really live question about, you know, whether Joe Biden should run, but also actually maybe he shouldn't, was very live among Democratic talk. The thing that really changed it, uh, I, I suspect, was the big Democratic successes in those midterm elections last November. They seemed to still the talk. Of getting Biden off the ticket. Uh, I, I want to hear from you, uh, first of all, whether you think that's right, that it's, it's the fact that he's been politically quite successful that, uh, that means that the question has gone a bit quieter. But also, if you do think that, uh, yeah, he's notched up some successes, he won, you know, Democrats did well in the midterms, the economy, jobs particularly looking pretty good. Yes, quite strong leadership on Ukraine. Given all that, why then are, are the poll numbers still pretty anemic or, or not yet healthy for uh, for Joe Biden? Majority voters still giving him basically the thumbs down and lots of Democrats saying that they don't want him to seek a second term. How do you account for that given
0: the political success or does it once again all come down to that single question of age? No, it doesn't come down. His poll numbers are not coming down to age. I, I think the poll numbers are a function of Of people being unhappy about the economy. Uh, Everything uh, really is second order uh, to the economy. The economy uh, trumps, if you excuse the expression, uh, everything (laughs) else when it comes to presidential elections. Uh, And people are angry. And uh, that anger has characterized American politics. For years and years and years, Trump exploited that anger. He'll do it again. He's trying to do it again. Uh, And no president is going to do better than, say, having 40, maybe 45 percent approval rating. I don't think you can uh, really pay much credence when it comes to the presidential election by the time we get there uh, to those approval ratings uh, when it comes to Biden. I I hear some Democrats say, look, he now has the perfect script
1: to write if he decides not to run he could say I always said my job was to save us from the potential disaster of a second Trump term I've done that I've led on Ukraine the economy is picking up we did all right in those midterm elections I was only ever going to be a sort of transition to the next generation it's time for me to go and I hear Democrats say that's the perfect script history would be really uh, think well of him but actually, politicians—and you know this—you see so many of them close up—they they have a healthy ego, and that it's something about Biden's ego that it will prevent him doing that. He'll think that actually, whatever the, the achievements, history tends to reserve a special kind of inferior status to one term uh, for one term presidents, and that that question of almost status and self-image will prevent. Joe Biden doing what otherwise would be quite the decent thing. You you know him a bit. What's your assessment
0: of that? To be a politician, to be a president, you've got to have a very, very large ego. Uh, but uh, there's something about Joe Biden uh, and something about his age that makes me think that it's not ego that's propelling him. He really does deeply believe that uh, he's doing well, that he can keep uh, the party together and and help heal the nation, uh, that his personality, that his steadiness, uh, that his temperament is exactly right for the time. And maybe he says to himself, look, I feel fine. I feel fit. Uh, I do want to continue with this job. If he decides not to, and you may be absolutely right that there is a piece of his, even now, a little voice in his head that says uh, the decent thing to do would be to get out. Uh, he's got to do it right away uh, to give enough time for the Democratic Party to come up with new voices, new faces, and plausible candidates. The clock is very, very is is, is ticking on that. I would say another month at most. Let's say he surprised,
1: uh, you know, I think most of the Washington consensus and did say he was stepping aside for it and not seeking a second term. Who are, I know you mentioned before, Cory Booker is a potential running mate, but who do you like look, look at across the country, beyond Washington, as people who could be plausible nominees should there be a race for a then vacant Democratic nomination in 2024?
0: Well, I think Sherrod Brown, uh, an Ohio senator, is very, very good, strong, very close uh, to the working class. The, the Democrats have got to try to reinstitute, recreate Franklin D. Roosevelt's coalition uh, of working class people and and others. And the working class, uh, the Democratic Party, has pretty much abandoned the working class over the years. So Sherrod Brown would be a natural. Amy Klobuchar, the senator from Minnesota, uh, would be a very good and likely candidate. More to the uh, the center of the party than Sherrod uh, Brown, but also somebody who I think would be would be terrific. Uh, I mentioned Cory Booker. Don't feel that just because they haven't identified themselves as yet uh, that they are not plausible candidates. Nobody knew Barack Obama before the uh, 04 presidential uh, nomination. I mean, he gave a speech uh, at the 2004 nominating convention, uh, during the day, uh, you know, one not even in prime time. My
1: parents shared not only an improbable love, they shared an abiding faith in the possibilities of this nation. They would give me an African name, Barack or Blessed, believing that in a tolerant America your name is no barrier
0: to success. Uh, And people heard it and were so impressed with him and that talk that he gave, were so touched by him. Uh, that immediately he went to uh, the front ranks of plausible presidential candidates. Uh, So anything could happen. If Joe Biden were to say he is not running, you will see a lot of new faces, a lot of potential candidates emerge who may not be senators, who may not already be quite visible.
1: Yeah, and Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan is somebody people do talk about a lot. For those people who are impatient and won't wait to hear that there's going to be a vacancy, but are thinking of going running anyway, Marianne Williamson, uh, who has tried to run in the past and has announced that whatever happens, she's going to run again, uh, even if that means running against Joe Biden. I think it's fair to say that no one thinks she has a serious shot of winning. But what about that amounting a primary challenge to Joe Biden? It has happened before uh, to Democratic presidents. A lot of thoughts uh, about the Carter presidency at the moment for obvious reasons. Uh, Jimmy Carter was challenged by Ted Kennedy in 1980. Do you see uh, anybody in the Democratic family, as it were, stepping forward and saying, we love Joe Biden. He's done a great job, but he is just too old. I'm going to challenge him in the primary for 2024.
0: I don't see anybody. I, the Carter presidency was an exception to the norm in that Carter was very, very weak. Everybody knew he was weak. I mean, the oil prices, uh, double-digit inflation, and Ted Kennedy at that time was just roaring, raring to go. He just he couldn't wait. Uh, and so he saw an opportunity. That's very, very rare. The other thing people from abroad don't, quite see and and find when they do see it quite extraordinary about the American system is that anybody can nominate themselves. Marianne Williamson is a good example. I think that uh, this time around, that's not going to be a problem for Joe Biden, but it is going to be an issue for the Republicans because, uh, you see, there are already a lot of people clamoring in the Republican Party to take on the leader who is Donald Trump. Uh, And uh, Donald Trump has a very interesting strategic move here because he really wants more and more people. He wants a big field, uh, as he had in 2016. The more people, the better, because uh, the more people, the better. They will split the anti-Trump vote and he will emerge as the winner.
1: Robert Rush, we always do like to ask our guests a what else question, something completely different to what we've been talking about so far um, I don't know whether or not you regularly use TikTok yourself, but if you do, your days on the app might, I'm afraid, be numbered because the White House uh, says it backs legislation introduced on Tuesday by a dozen or so senators to give the administration new powers to ban the the Chinese video app TikTok and other uh, technologies based abroad if they pose threats to America's national security now, as I say, I don't know whether you are posting videos of you dancing the salsa on TikTok, but if whether or not you are, what are your thoughts about that possible ban on Americans using TikTok?
0: Well, actually, I am on TikTok. I hate to admit it, and it's just between you and me. But um, I worry a lot about making China an enemy uh, when we don't have to. I mean, America has tended throughout history to need a nemesis in terms of pulling ourselves together. I mean, we don't have kind of a history, a thousand years of genetic material that uh, is, is basically United States. We are a nation mostly of immigrants, uh, and we've always relied on enemies to, in a sense, tell us who we are. With the end of the Soviet Union, briefly we made an enemy of Japan. I mean, we, we thought that Japan was going to dominate America. Now, there are good reasons to be worried about China. Uh, in terms of uh, Chinese suppression of human rights and, and Chinese aggressiveness around the world. But uh, I, I think we've got to be very, very careful not to make a nemesis into an enemy uh, that uh, is, is, is almost on a war footing. Uh, I, I would worry, uh, quite frankly, about that, Jonathan. Robert Reich,
1: thank you so much for joining me on Politics Weekly America. Thank you. And that is all from me for this week. Do make sure to listen back to Wednesday's episode of our sister podcast Today in Focus as the team take a look at the potential fallout for Rupert Murdoch from a lawsuit levelled against Fox News brought by an election tech company over what they say are lies broadcast about the 2020 presidential race. We will ourselves on this podcast be coming to that story nearer the trial, but until then, search for "Today in Focus, wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, it's goodbye. The producer is Daniel Stevens, the executive producer Maz Eptahaj. I'm Jonathan Friedland. Thanks as always for listening. This is The Guardian.
0: The wait is over and we are back for series two of pop culture with me, Shantae Joseph. We'll dive into the biggest pop culture stories of the week again from Megan and Harry. And this is why
1: sort of turning Harry and Megan into polarizing figures ticks a lot of boxes because it just drives clicks. To Rihanna. Rihanna rocks off at about 1 she just swans in like she's the most ordinary person in the world just running a couple of minutes late.
0: And of course the chaos of my life. I meet someone, I show my friends, they're like "Mm, yeah it's okay. Four weeks later I'm sliding down the wall crying. One (laughs) week later I message my friends, I met you guys. This is how I dated 11 people in one year. Join me every Thursday from the 16th of March wherever you get your podcasts.